This is Gray Area. I'm Daniel Alarcón. Here are the facts. The U.S. population is getting older, fast, and we're not prepared. So our team wanted to take a look at this from lots of different angles. Time and time again, surveys have found that most older Americans want to grow old in their homes and in their communities. The story you're about to hear follows the life of a New Jersey woman who is doing just that. But it isn't so straightforward. Staying in her home, aging in her home, has come with challenges. Is there ever a right time to leave the place you love? Here's producer Jennifer Siegel. A few months ago, I started spending time with a woman named Jackie Herships. She's 76 and lives in South Orange, New Jersey. And in the interest of transparency up front, she's the mother of one of my radio instructors here at Columbia. That's how I met Jackie, through her daughter, Sally. When I started this project, I wanted to tell a story about aging in place. At the time, that phrase felt very abstract to me, something I'd seen in academic papers. It might feel abstract to you right now. But if you look at the numbers, it's not abstract at all. In this country, there are about 74 million people over 65, and most of them are aging in place. They might not be using that exact language to describe it, but they're doing it. Aging in place is growing old in the home or community where you've built a life. Out of that 74 million I just mentioned, only about 5% of those people live in nursing homes, hospice, or residential care communities. Largely, this generation of retirees is staying put as they grow old. A lot of people are aging in place subconsciously, without adopting it as their own personal philosophy on growing old. But whatever the opposite of subconscious is, that's how Jackie Herships thinks about aging in place. For her, it's deliberate. It's not at all abstract. For three years, she even wrote a blog about it called The Little Old Lady Stays Put, in parentheses, or doesn't. She hasn't updated the blog for about three and a half years, but all her old posts are still there. The first one is from June 25th, 2011. I asked Jackie to record herself reading part of the beginning. Having proudly reached the ripe old age of 70, I declare myself to be a little old lady in training. But as Betty Davis said, old age isn't for sissies. Compounding the many challenges we senior citizens face is a tangle of laws and social structures which seem designed to complicate our lives at every turn. We bang into them every time we try to adjust to our advancing stages of life. It's fine to paint rosy pictures of that aging in place, which I agree would be very nice. But for starters... Sorry, but I'm not going to let Jackie give it all away here. Keep listening. I met Jackie for the first time back in early January. On a frigid Wednesday afternoon, we're chatting and sipping mint tea in her dining room. One of Jackie's tenants is moving out today. Elaine, a retired newspaper publisher, is leaving for two months, going to San Diego. An older man named Bill is helping Elaine with her things. Jackie calls him Thrifty Bill. He walks through the short hallway that connects the kitchen to the dining room. Oh, hi, Bill. It's good to see you. Yes, good to see you. Yeah. I understand you had a rough patch for a while, oh. huh? No, oh, you're not kidding. Yeah, one pa- one rough patch after the other. And now you're all past it? I hope so. Uh-huh, yeah. That rough patch Bill's referring so to is the latest health issue Jackie's dealt with. It happened in early November, last year. She was in her upstairs bedroom. And I had all kinds of thoughts running around in my head, and I was just completely immersed in them and didn't see the wire at the bottom of the bed. And... 
It got tangled around my foot. Jackie fell, crashed into a very heavy piece of mahogany furniture on the way down. It landed her in the hospital with a shattered right shoulder. Elaine, the one who's leaving today, drove Jackie to the emergency room that day. And Elaine's not the only one who's lent a hand when Jackie needed it. You see, at any given time, Jackie has a house full of people living with her. Her tenants have come from every background, every race, every religion, and every age. Right now, there's a Korean biologist living here and a young man who's starting his own business in technology and health comes and goes. We have a Buddhist nun who's off on retreat. And then there's one other person, because there were so many people gone, I got nervous about being alone, so I posted an ad entitled Roughing It. Because <laughs> there's nothing left to rent except this futon in the basement, and I thought, well... Jackie assures me it's a finished basement, and she's charging almost nothing for the room. The extra money does help, but another big benefit for her is having people around, not being alone. She's been divorced for over 30 years, and her two grown daughters live an hour and a half away. Renting out rooms has made it possible for her to stay here as long as she has. And with more people around, it makes the house feel more like a home. People eat downstairs. They don't eat in their rooms. So occasionally we eat together in various combinations, and that's nice. And um, You have the same problems you have with family. Sometimes you fight. Sometimes you don't like one another. And... Sometimes you help one another. I just Jackie's needed the help a few times over the years. About 10 years ago, she broke her ankle. That was the start of her health issues. Then the ankle injury led to problems with her hip. It had to be replaced. But then in late 2015, she got a diagnosis that was a lot more serious. I didn't know why I was tired, but I stopped doing as much. And then I was diagnosed. And then I was told, well, if you're going to get leukemia, this is the kind to get. So it was a tough treatment. I, I physically collapsed. I emotionally collapsed. Leukemia is the kind of thing that comes out of thin air for a lot of people. It did for Jackie. It reminded her that life has an end, that even if she beat the cancer, she wasn't going to live forever. You know, when I was in my 20s, fame was very popular, that show. And the, um, the key song was, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn to fly. That's the whole basis of our society. We discovered uh, antibiotics. We cured everything in sight, and people were going to live forever. Now we're realizing that, no, maybe we're not going to live forever. And that's a tough nut. That's hard to think about. Jackie's in remission now. With support from her family, friends, and roommates, she beat cancer. She kept her house. But the illness took a toll on her body, made her weaker. These days, she thinks more about how much time she has left and how much time she has left in her home. Jackie has a lot of reasons for not wanting to move. They're the same reasons that any person wouldn't want to leave their home. Having a house is nice. You know, it's nice to have a dining room and a kitchen and a living room with a fireplace that works. And moving somewhere smaller, maybe downsizing to an apartment or moving into supported housing, that would mean being alone a lot more often. Jackie doesn't like the idea of that. Money is also a factor. She's a retired journalist, a profession that's notorious for not paying well, so that limits her options too. The first time I talked to Jackie over the phone in December, she told me that she has the same debate every day of her life, to stay or to go. It's a very hard decision at this stage, and um, there's nothing that's going to make it easier. I'm just waiting to see if 
my heart can take me, lead me somewhere, or I'll just stay here. I'm finding myself very stubborn about not wanting to move. <laughs> There are more than 3 million people over 65 in the New York metro area. In South Orange and the neighboring town of Maplewood, there are more than 5,000. When you look at it this way, Jackie is hardly alone. And she lives in a relatively age-friendly place. With its walkable streets, libraries, and active arts community, it's a good place to age. Kathy Rowe is one of the people trying to make it an even better one. She runs a program called SOMA, Two Towns for All Ages, some is an acronym for South Orange and Maplewood. She says that when the project got started a few years ago, the biggest needs were in transportation and housing. Housing, in particular, can be a tricky one. Most of our seniors are in their homes, which is a good thing and a challenge. Both towns, they're old towns. You know, the average house is going on 90 years old now. Like your average Maple or South Orange house is probably a three-bedroom with stairs. We don't have open space where we could do an age-friendly housing development. Most seniors in South Orange and Maplewood live in single-family homes, like the Colonials, Kathy describes. Only 600 live in senior apartments or senior housing. And without room to build age-friendly living communities, Kathy says the towns are trying to figure out how to help people stay in their homes, like by making age-friendly renovations, railings, easier access bathtubs, by helping them freeze their taxes or get a home health aid. And having tenants, Kathy says that can help too. Some people trade off that the tenant will also, you know, shovel the sidewalk or take out the garbage and some of the physical tasks that a senior might not be able to do anymore. But also living alone in the house can be scary for some people or might not be advisable for medical health reasons. If they had a tenant in the house, that gives that safety backup, which would let people stay in their home longer. This tenant model Kathy's describing, it's a big reason why Jackie's been able to stay in her home. And she's not the only one doing it. We don't know how many people are doing it. We know that people are doing it. The benefits of having roommates, they're financial, too. By having a tenant, it subsidizes a senior's income. You know, a lot of seniors, they've already paid their mortgage. They don't have that cost anymore. But they can't control the taxes. And taxes in this part of New Jersey have gone up significantly in the last 10 years. There are obvious risks to renting out rooms in your house, whether you're a senior or not. Jackie's had pretty good luck finding people through Craigslist, Gypsy Housing, and just plain old word of mouth. Over the years, she really has seen it all. From renters who've taken over the house, she didn't like that, to... One kid moved in and said, do you mind if I have a gun? <laughs> Somebody else wanted to take a waterbed upstairs, 6,000 pounds of water. <laughs> One young man moved in. He was the youngest professor ever at Seton Hall. Then it turned out that he had a pet ferret. A smelly ferret, and it did smell might actually be the least of Jackie's worries. There's a small legal risk to what she and the others are doing. New Jersey state law says that seniors are permitted to rent out one room in their single-family home. It doesn't technically say they can't rent out more, but still, the law on the book worries some people. Kathy says Soma Two Towns is advocating that local municipalities pass their own laws. They're working on doing this in South Orange and Maplewood, make it easier and more legal for seniors to rent out multiple rooms. As it stands, Jackie and the others are... Something called an official overlook. There are all kinds of bodies of law which collide, and public policy hasn't sorted itself out yet. 
Something else that still needs a bit of sorting out, too, is transportation. Many older adults get to a point where they can't drive anymore. For those people, the town has a senior bus service. It's a free jitney that runs during the day. But Kathy says it could be more efficient, and some people still don't even know about it. Riding the jitney, it's a good social opportunity, too. Here's Kathy again. might take you five times as long to go to the grocery store, but you're on the bus with the driver, with other people, talking. It does a lot to counter social isolation. For South Orange and Maplewood seniors, there are plenty of opportunities to be social. Part of Kathy's job is compiling a calendar of different activities going on in the area each month. In March alone, there are 58 different events, from book club to computer class to a creative writing workshop. The array of activities makes sense, though. The towns are home to a lot of retired artists and creative types. We have a strong arts community, a strong music community, a strong theater community. Most people in the area, I would say probably more than half, have roots in New York. Jackie is a New York transplant herself. She lived there in the 70s and is still kicking herself for giving up that apartment in Chelsea that used to cost $375 a month. But nowadays, she's happy where she's at. And her monthly calendar, it's filled too. In a single week, she went to one of those computer classes at the library, the art history class she's taking at Seton Hall University, a neighborhood meeting, a reflexology session at a friend's house, topped off by Temple at the end of the week. Jackie stays busy. She's kind of like your typical South Orange Maplewood resident, kind of, you know, got their fingers and everything. You know, not everybody is as creative as she is or resourceful, but she's a really good example and model for others. Aging in place looks different for different people in this community. And some people are still aging in place even though they've left their homes for apartments or left their apartments for assisted living. Older people end up leaving their homes for different reasons. Some don't want to live alone. They don't need all the space they once did. Or sometimes the upkeep is too much work. It gets too expensive. The point is, they don't always have to leave. Some people just want to downsize. Other times, though, and these can be some of the most difficult cases, it does become necessary because someone's health is declining. On a rainy Sunday afternoon, about 50 people are gathered in a big windowed room at Inglemore Rehabilitation and Care Center in Livingston, New Jersey. It's about a 15-minute drive from Jackie's place in South Orange. Inglemore residents, they're older people, mostly in wheelchairs, are watching a short, middle-aged woman with curly blonde hair sing Frank Sinatra. Jackie and her friend Connie are here to visit their friend Rita. Rita's 88, and she's been in and out of Inglemore for about three years now, twice for a broken hip. About a year ago, it became her permanent home. Her Parkinson's was getting more serious. It was affecting her balance. She couldn't live alone anymore. And Parkinson's is the kind of disease that doesn't get better. It gets worse. I'm very lucky. It's been taking a long time to progress. But it will progress. Before Inglemore, Rita was living in a small apartment in South Orange for about 10 years. To move in there, she had to leave the home where she'd lived for 48 years, in Maplewood. Both the move to the apartment and to Inglemore meant downsizing. It was very hard because I had a million things that I loved and had to get rid of. An entire lifetime of things had to be whittled down, way down, into what Rita could bring to Inglemore, which wasn't a lot. But even with the moves and the downsizing and her health issues, 
Rita seems happy. She's a small woman with a wisp of short, brownish-gray hair. She likes to talk about her kids and her grandchildren and their boyfriends. On the day we went to see her, she was wearing a matching necklace and earring set. And you're all dolled up. I like the coordinated jewelry. That's Connie. She's a Long Island native like Jackie, lives in nearby West Orange. Later, on the drive home, I'm surprised to learn that she's 73. She looks at least 10 years younger than that to me. Anyway, the matching jewelry, it's kind of what Rita's known for around Inglemore. Have a reputation here. It's embarrassing. I come out in the morning and all the, the aides and the nurses are lined up to see what I'm going to be wearing and how well it's going to match. Rita says she likes it at Inglemore. And after spending an afternoon here, I can understand why. The staff are friendly and attentive. It's clean and comfortable and kind of looks like a hotel. Large windows throughout the one-story building provide plenty of natural light. And it doesn't have that nursing home smell that people often complain about. In 2014, U.S. News & World Report even named it one of the best nursing homes in the country. Jackie spent some time at Inglemore, too, when she was rehabbing her shoulder injury. For about a month, she needed full-time care, and she came here to get it. A staff member who's now serving us an afternoon snack, mini hot dogs and soda, recognizes Jackie and says hello. Hi, Miss oh. Jackie. Hello. How are you? Good to see you. Staying in Inglemore doesn't come cheap. Even a shared room costs almost $125,000 a year. When Jackie stayed here temporarily, Medicare covered the cost since she'd spent three nights in the hospital after getting surgery. But if the time comes when she does need full-time, long-term care, like Rita, Inglemore probably won't be an option for her. It's not an option for a lot of people. Unless you have that kind of cash on hand, or for those that fall below the poverty line, Medicaid will sometimes foot the bill. It's for the top one or two percent. You have to be very lucky to come here. Jackie wants to age in place for as long as she can. She likes having a home. She likes the town and the community she's part of in South Orange. She likes the independence. They took really good care of her here at Inglemore when she needed it, and she's grateful for that. Still, though, being there didn't feel quite right. It's kind of a very small world. And um, as soon as I didn't need to be taken care of from top to toe, I began to feel confined. Jackie is a realist. She knows that she might not be able to stay in her home forever. And when health issues come up, like the shoulder, she starts thinking more about how long she'll be able to do it. Lately, she's been thinking about where she'd go if staying in her home was no longer an option. A lot of my mental energy goes into trying to figure that out. Part of it is wanting to stay near your family and your friends and the drugstore and, you know, all the people you know. So I could go down to Florida where it is cheaper, but then I would be all alone. And that's the dilemma for Jackie. If she has to let go of her house but wants to stay in her community, her options are limited. And the ones she does have just don't feel quite right. Jackie recently toured a retirement community that's right in the middle of town near the train and restaurants, she even admits. It's the most wonderful location, and I just didn't like it. A few weeks later, I'm back at Jackie's house. We're sitting in the dining room again, chatting over coffee this time, instead of tea. She shows me pictures of a place upstate that she's been thinking about, one that could be an option for her, not now, but maybe soon when living in her home isn't viable anymore. 
It's a place where people come to take care of the elderly as a path in life. They have a biodynamic farm, and they have homeopathic medicine. <laughs> I think they make their own herbs. It's called the Fellowship Community. It's in Chestnut Ridge, a one-hour drive from New York City. She actually put her name on their list a few years ago. Jackie says someone literally has to die for a spot to open up. I think they have me pegged in for two years from now. A lot can happen in two years. Decline can happen slowly or all at once. Jackie saw it happen with her friend Rita. She remembers the days when Rita was still running around New York City following a cabaret singer who she'd fallen in love with. All of a sudden she was sick and she could no longer do that. They've been friends for decades. They met when Rita was working as an electrolysis technician. Jackie was one of her clients. It's been hard for her to watch Rita's health get worse, but she admires her toughness. It's always difficult to watch someone decline. But I'm, you know, again, once again, she's a role model for me because she is so much a person who sees the glass as half full. Jackie is quite good at doing that herself. She's recovered pretty remarkably after having leukemia. And the creative spirit that she had before, the one that drove her to start the Aging in Place blog, is still alive and well today. Her latest projects are a strategic coaching business and what she calls her Instagram magazine, an account where she highlights interesting people she meets. She calls it the talent bank. My primary interest is to meet people, connect, and project, you know, project them out into the world. I like to have life around me. That desire to be surrounded by people and life and new experiences, I think that's what scares her about moving into a senior living facility. Even a place like Inglemore, which is perfectly nice, it's full of people much sicker than Jackie, much less adventurous than she is. I'm very drawn to people who have a kind of spark that they follow themselves. So they're doing things with their life, uh, which they're passionate about or which are meaningful to them, and it sort of feeds me to be with them. And when I ask her what she thinks it might be like if one day she does have to leave her home, maybe head upstate to live in the fellowship community. It'll be terrifying because, you know, you never get over being attached to knowing who's around the corner, knowing your neighbors, knowing the local grocer, all those things. So I'm not sure when the time comes how I'll feel, but it's a matter of courage. Jackie's daughters are both in their 40s, living in Brooklyn. Sally is a freelance journalist. Her sister Jane is a musician. Jackie says that if they worry about her, they don't show it. I've had a lot of health issues, and I feel bad that it's landed on their doorsteps, you know. Um, but when things go back to, quote, normal, uh, I don't think they've spent a lot of time worrying about me. I think they think I can, I can manage. I talked to Jane, and she agreed that no, she doesn't worry much about her mom. She supports her decision to stay in her home and thinks that the roommates, they're a good idea. I don't want to say golden girls. It's not like that idyllic. But she tends to be pretty lucky, and she's become really close friends with some of her roommates. If anything happens, there's somebody there. Jackie's homes have always been full of people. Before she started renting out rooms, it was foreign exchange students and even entire families that kept the house full. Sometimes Jane liked the visitors, other times, not so much. There were ups and downs. There were just always people around. She always wanted to help everybody. She was always taking in strays. 
They lived in a big house in Maplewood when the girls were growing up. Jackie moved to South Orange in 93 into the house where she lives now. Jane says that as a child, her mom encouraged her to be creative. Jackie would introduce her and her sister to interesting and sometimes eclectic people who taught them new skills. She um, wrote for the Star-Ledger when I was a kid. She did human interest stories and then would introduce us to the people and have them teach us. Like there was like a paper maker and uh, we studied origami. And she would stay friends with everybody. One of the origami teachers is still a close friend of hers. And the network of people that Jackie's amassed over the years, they came out in numbers when she needed the support. When she had to get chemo infusions, they volunteered to drive Jackie the 30 minutes to the treatment center when her daughters couldn't. That's one of the main things that was frustrating for me when she first got diagnosed with leukemia is that there's really no way for somebody who's feeling sick from the treatments to get to the treatments if they're unable to drive. Sally set up a calendar and Jackie's friends signed up to take her on different days. Jane says it's an example of the supportive community her mom has around her. Some seniors struggle with loneliness and social isolation, but that's not even on Jackie's radar or Jane's. No, that's the last thing I worry about with her. (laughs) She's incredibly active and has a million friends, is very active in the community. The way Jane sees it, unless somebody is in hospice or they can't walk or drive, there's no reason they shouldn't be living their life how they want, the best way that they can. This is why people age in place. You're not going to get the kind of support and love that Jackie got when she was sick if you've moved to a new town, surrounded by strangers. I really believe in like what my mom's doing. I love that she has people there, and I love that she has roommates, and I love that she has a full life. I think it's wonderful. Emily Greenfield is a gerontologist, and she spent her career studying aging-related issues. She's a professor at Rutgers School of Social Work, and a big focus of her research has been aging in place. Aging services in particular is an area that's just ripe for new ideas and thinking about old problems in new ways. Within the past couple years, at least in the academic discourse, we're starting to see more nuance when people talk about aging in place. Greenfield says there's been a dominant message when it comes to aging in place. It's what people want, and it's what we should be supporting. In part, it's a hardline reaction to the black and white way we often view aging. Our country's longstanding emphasis on kind of nursing homes or nothing. But there is an in-between. People like Jackie are proof that the gray area exists. And there are multiple layers to aging in place. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Under the umbrella is what Greenfield calls aging in community. It's not just a matter of people staying in their exact residence. It's that people can stay close to where they've developed their community, and that might require them to downsize into a smaller property, but they can still keep their medical providers, their friends, their social activities. For anyone who wants to age in place, there's the inherent risk of getting stuck in place. People who get left behind in less than suitable environments for aging, isolated and financially insecure, who don't have the social or economic means to get out. And then there's the safety factor. What happens when aging in place is no longer safe for an older adult? The CDC definition of aging in place, I think, acknowledges that it's not just a matter of staying put. It's also a matter of staying put safely and comfortably for as long as one chooses. We definitely should be making distinctions between aging in place well and aging in place poorly. But who decides where that line gets drawn? Greenfield says it's complicated. 
There are politics involved, sometimes with concerned family members, adult children. Still, social workers like herself are trained to respect the autonomy of adults, regardless of age. Adults are free to make decisions about their own lives. It's their lives, not their adult children's lives. And they're free to make even bad decisions, as long as they're of the right mind. Older adults who are most likely to age in place successfully are those with supportive families, a system that provides the things institutions in this country often don't. But Greenfield says that even older adults with a support system should consider alternative housing options ahead of time, before moving becomes necessary. Just like people who have seniors in high school look at colleges or think about what their next step is. It's a big deal. People spend a lot of time investigating different options. I kind of wish we lived in a world where those same kind of considerations could just be developmentally normative for people who, who are at a certain age to have to have those conversations. And Greenfield would also like to see a shift in how we think about the later stages of life, a change in how we often otherize old age. Growing old isn't the finale. It's just the next act in a series of many. It's really about lives in their entirety. And no matter what age you are, you always have a present and you always have a past and you always have a future. And so for me, it's about creating a world that matches better with the long lives we're all living. Jackie has a friend named Betty Levin. It's actually E. Betty Levin. E stands for Enid, but she goes by Betty. It's kind of a long story. She's a tiny woman, probably hovers around five feet. She has a thick head of short salt and pepper hair. The day I meet her, she's wearing a white pullover sweatshirt with a sketch of Einstein on it. In February, Betty turned 92. During the week, I uh, take yoga, I take Tai Chi Cha, and uh, healthy bones. So is that your secret to, to not looking your age? And my mind is active all the time. She does not look her age. She doesn't act her age either. She doesn't use a cane or a wheelchair, still drives her Subaru, and she's incredibly sharp, can recall tons of details of her very interesting life. She's a psychotherapist and still practices. She sees a handful of clients out of her home, her home where she lives independently. It's a very simple ranch house. Two bedroom, one bath, but it has a family room, which I've made into my office. It's about 13 steps up from the ground level. So uh, I think that keeps me in good health. When it comes to growing old, Betty is the exception rather than the rule. Even the brain tumor that her doctor found and removed nine years ago hasn't slowed her down much. She self-published her 300-page memoir last year. It's called Becoming Betty. At 92, she is excited about life and thirsty for new knowledge and experiences. Getting up 5 o'clock in the morning, it all started because I'd have so many ideas I couldn't go back to sleep. Betty's been a member of various chapters in the Ethical Culture Society for a very long time. It's an organization that was founded in New York in the late 1800s that describes itself as a humanist community, dedicated to ethics, social justice, and education. Anyway, Betty, she moved around quite a bit after she got married young and started a family. But every place she'd go, she'd find a chapter to join. In fact, on this day that I'm talking to Betty, we're in the parlor of the Essex County Ethical Culture Society in Maplewood. It's a Sunday afternoon after the group's regular meeting. People are milling around, sipping coffee and eating snacks. For Betty, this place is a form of home. This is my spiritual home. 
Mm-hmm. We're trying to create a more humane world, and we try to bring out the best in other people and thereby in ourselves. Jackie's sitting across from us, talking to another member on a nearby sofa. Ethical culture has become a big part of her life, too. She joined the organization a few years ago before she got sick. She got better, and the next thing she knew, she was on the board. Now she's the acting president. Betty's become her good friend since they met here, and Jackie admires how she's aged in place. Betty's situation isn't perfect by any means. She's single and gets lonely sometimes. The foundation on her house needs work, and finances are a concern, but still. She didn't knuckle under to, um, to any of that fear thing, and she's always inviting people over. She's always reaching out. She's always embracing life, and she wants people in her life just like I do, you know, and just like most people do. It's a human characteristic to want to be part of life. Betty's managed to do what Jackie would like to do stay in her home, stay in her community, stay excited about life and the future. Right now, Jackie's making a real effort to focus on her personal projects. She hasn't always finished the things she started, and she wants to change that. You know, if I'd stayed in film right now, I'd be a film editor. If I'd stayed in journalism, the newspapers were imploding. But, you know, some of my friends went on and did well, and there were a lot of things that I can look back on and said if I had continued. But Even at 76, almost 77, Jackie's still challenging herself to grow, to get rid of old ways of thinking that have held her back. As a child, she says she was encouraged to be creative, but not seen. All these years later, she's ready to shake that mentality. She's ready to be seen. I'm determined to just put one foot in front of another, even though I'm 77. And I have a lot of experience to share with people, and I'm not going to stop. I've learned so much from Jackie just in the two months that I've known her. I've learned that seniors are no different than anyone else. Anything that seniors need, everyone needs. They just need different versions of it. I've learned that older adults don't have to go to a senior center to feel connected to something. They come together around common interests and creative passions. I've learned that growing old can mean starting over, figuring out what life looks like without a job or kids at home. But that even without those things, what's left is the world. A chance to explore things that excite and interest a person. A chance to explore what it means to live a vibrant life with the years you have left. Aging in place isn't for everyone. But for those who can do it, for those who want to do it, it can lead to a very fulfilling life. Growing old in a place you love, surrounded by the people who bring you joy. Aging in place is also hard. It's messy and imperfect, and there are plenty of roadblocks along the way. But for Jackie and the millions of others who are doing it, there's plenty worth celebrating. It is an achievement. You know, I'm still here. It's like that song, uh, you know, she says, I'm still here. Good times and bum times, I've seen them all, and my dear, I'm still here. I guess just the adventure of it all. When you realize that life is finite, uh, you wake up in the morning and say, oh, look, I have another day. And it's just an unknown. It's an adventure. You don't know what's going to happen. And that's, that's very exciting. 
times and bum times I've seen them all and my dear I'm still here Jennifer Siegel is a graduate of the Columbia Journalism School. Jenny, why were you interested in reporting on aging? You know, I think older people know a lot about life. They have so many interesting experiences and insights to share with the rest of us. And their stories are ones that need to be told, especially now when our aging population is growing so quickly. Gray Area is produced at the Columbia Journalism School and edited by me. The rest of the staff includes Steph Beckett, Amara Mokwe, and Sarah Wyman. Special thanks to Jackie and all of her friends who spoke to us for this story. Thanks also to Elaine Durbach from the Essex County Ethical Culture Society. And a final thank you, and this is a big one, to Sally Herships for introducing us to her mom and making this episode possible. Thanks to my colleagues at Columbia, Paula Spann and Dory Block. To find out more about our project and listen to more episodes, visit us on the web at grayareapodcast.nyc. We also list our music credits there. Follow us on Twitter at grayareany. I'm Daniel Alarcón. Thanks for listening. Sometimes just pretzels and beer But I'm here I've stuffed the dailies In my shoes Strummed ukuleles Sung the blues Seen all my dreams disappear But I'm here